Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 14 of The Reclaim Leader, helping you lead change without losing your roots. I am Jason Tucker here with Jesse Skiffington. How are you doing today, Jesse? Doing very well, Jason. And uh, I don't know about you, but um, for those listening in, a little behind the scenes, we're recording this right before Christmas, but we're going to be talking about New Year's. So uh, we're right in the heat of things, kind of coming to the end of the year, and but we know that week is coming between Christmas and New Year where we can stop and kind of do some of the reflecting and, and looking ahead to 2018. So uh, that's where we are. So uh, we're going to just talk together uh, about some of the things we do related to our thinking, our planning, our calendaring, uh, how we're going to stop and reflect as we head into the new year. So hopefully that'll be useful to you. Um, if at some point we just uh, stop talking and uh, sort of ramble on or whatever happens, it's because Christmas Eve is three <laughs> days away. Okay, so there you have it. Exactly right. But that's what I love about doing this podcast is we're pretty close to real time. I mean, we're, we're maybe a couple of weeks out. Sometimes we're, you know, maybe like three weeks out, but, but we're all going through, you and I are going through the same things all of our pastor listeners are going through at the same time. So I feel like we are in the trenches together figuring right. this thing out. And, and I love going into the new year. I know a lot of people hate on New Year's resolutions uh, I understand why, but I also find that this time of year is really valuable because I love that reflection time and looking back on my previous year and what it is that's that's ahead of me. What are my hopes and dreams? What are my goals? Uh, I that's all really uh, life giving to me, and, yeah, and I really look forward to it. Yeah, it's an important thing. And really, what's nice about this whole New Year's thing is it's a completely arbitrary, false kind of deal. But what it is, it's just an excuse to stop and reflect and to kind of take stock and, and all those things. So might as well take advantage of that excuse and do it. And um, I don't know about you, Jason, what's what's the office like between Christmas and New Year's? Is it is you guys kind of have a dead week or not much going on? That's kind of how we have have things set up. So it's actually kind of a good time for it, I think. Yeah, we have, we have the same thing. In fact, I always take off between Christmas and New Year's. So uh, it's a time, it's downtime. It's downtime for a lot of us. We're just kind of pausing and, and resetting and getting ready for uh, for the winter. But, you know, as I was thinking about this whole idea, part of part of the challenge of, of setting goals and productivity and all of these things as we look forward to the year is that um, inherently we think of, or at least I think of tasks to help me get to a goal. When sometimes uh, it's a habit or sometimes it's a, it's a frame of mind that needs to change, which makes it a little more uh, tricky to figure out yeah, sometimes. A lot harder, yeah. Right? It, it's, it's, sometimes it's, it's the thinking that leads to the behavior that, that needs to be adjusted in order for me to get where I'm hoping to go. That's right. And, and but it's nice. A new year, we kind of have an excuse. We can try yeah. it again for the second, third, fourth, tenth, fifteenth try at getting it right. So <laughs> count me in for it. But yeah, exactly right. I think now here's where I get stuck, and and this 
uh, maybe this is a nice doorway into the conversation is that I usually get stuck when I, I set my goals. I have a, a really a view in front of me that I'm really excited about, really passionate about. I have some, some action items. I've, I'm like raring to go. And, you know, you set everything up and then of course life happens and people interrupt your flow and they interrupt your time and, or things don't go exactly how you think and you have to redirect. And my problem is that I have a tendency to say yes to good things too much. Yeah. So I I don't have a problem saying no to things that are clearly a waste of time. I have a problem saying yes to too many things that become a waste of time when I need to say yes to less so that I could focus on what matters most. Say a little more about that because I, I think that's the right kind of thinking, but it is a, like you were saying, it's kind of a mentality shift because um, as pastors, as church leaders, we're presented with all kinds of opportunities all the time. It's, it's not a very fun thing to say no uh, so how do you navigate that? How do you know the difference? I mean, how, how, what's your filter for that? Well, part of it is, uh, I, I definitely look back. I know this is a total pastor move, but this is, this is my move. I, I go back to the story of Jethro and Moses and, you know, Moses struggled early on in his ministry with busyness. Mm-hmm. And I think we forget that sometimes, uh, and, and we hear leaders talk about it, but I think it's in one ear out the other. You know, Moses was the default leader of everything. <laughs> so so uh, because the escape from Egypt happened um, in slightly dramatic fashion, he, he had thousands of Israelites looking at him for like, what do we do with everything? Like every part of our life. And, and the way the scripture says it, it says, in this is Exodus 18, 13. It says, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people and they stood around him from morning till evening. No, thanks, man. I'm out. <laughs> Dude, peace. <laughs> and my, you know, why would he do such a thing? Like, that's, that's just foolish. Like, why would he, yeah, morning till evening. Um, well, and here's what Moses says, that it's because the people come to me to seek God's will. That's what he says, verse 16. People come to me to seek God's will. Um, and Moses' schedule was completely full. And honestly, it was ruining his life. It was Jethro, father-in-law Jethro, smart guy, should have had his own blog. Right? <laughs> Probably <laughs> did. It was a different, different time. That's right. Jet, Jethro comes up, and this is one of my favorite verses. Verse 17, he just he tells him flat out, what you are doing is not good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he went on to tell Moses, he had to take some of these things off his plate. Otherwise, he would not have margin for what matters most. And I think it is very, very telling that the next thing that happens is that Moses goes to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And my thinking is, had, had he not created margin by saying no to good things, he never would have met with God on Mount Sinai. That's so crucial. I think as leaders, that, that's really essential, right? That we find space for the things that matter most that, that are kind of unique to our role. Um, and I do think that that's hard to do in the ministry context, especially, you know, uh, where, uh, people want our time and attention. Whereas pastors, if we're in the room, whether this is right or wrong, this is how people feel that somehow it makes it official or a church thing, or, um, 
if we're not the one to visit someone in the hospital, it w- maybe it was an elder or a deacon or something, it doesn't quite count the same. Um, there's just a lot that pulls at us that are good things. And so you don't, you really, this is something you have to really fight for. It doesn't happen on accident. And in fact, I would say every time that I do stop and, and think this way and kind of clear off my plate again, then immediately there's 10, 10 things that want to end up right back there and to crowd, yeah. crowd out that margin again. So yeah. how do you, what do you tell me some things, Jason, you know, as you reflect, like, how are you doing at creating margin? How do you take Jethro's advice in your own ministry? Cause you, there's plenty of teams and plenty of staff and plenty of people who want your time and attention. And how, how are you navigating it? Yeah. So for me, it's, it's a combination of things, but the way that I, my framework and how I think about it is really um, due to leaders speaking into my life. And what I've come to realize is I need to make sure that I'm spending the most time on the things that only I can be doing. Mm -hmm. So when my, when this church is running at its best and when my life is running at its best, these are the things that I'm spending my time on the most. I'm spending my time on vision, mission, strategy, preaching, elder development, staff development. Yeah. Like, and you know, throw in outreach that that's covers. That's still, that's a lot. Yeah, you're already right. doing a lot right there. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so, you know, I, but when I frame it that way, and then I design my days of the week that way, then... I make sure that those things get my biggest chunk of time and energy. So, I, so I'm a morning person and I get most of my creative energy in the morning. It's funny though, because, you know, in college I was a night person. It was totally the opposite. You're but a grown up now. So. I know, grown up and I guess having kids probably did something to that. But, um, but all of my, all that energy is in the morning. So I'm not going to spend my morning on like emails or uh, admin. That's, that's not the best use to the best part of my day my best use is that's the time where I'm like digging in, I'm digging into scripture. I'm, I'm being creative. I'm doing my sermon writing. I'm doing, doing the things that, that only I should be doing in the organization, Mm -hmm. right? The things that I should be leading that matter most that gets my best time uh, during the day. And and then whatever else I get fit in, like I still meet with people and do that, but I do say no a lot more uh, than I ever used to in order to protect that time. How do you do that in a way that doesn't alienate or make, or maybe that there, there's guilt that sometimes is associated with that as leaders that somehow we're not doing our job if we're saying no or, or something. How, how have you navigated through that? And is it, is it just something that as you've seen the results, you said, this is, this is the right thing. This is the best stewardship of my position. I mean, this is something you and I've talked a lot about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's always a tension there because, you know, my default position is I'm going to want to try to find a way to say yes, even if I know it's not a good use of my time and I know that I don't want to do it. Like it's because I feel guilty, you know? Um, I think though, I stop feeling guilty when I remember that if I don't take this time, if I don't take this time, uh, I'm, I'm going to give it away to something that, that shouldn't be getting that much time. Yeah. Um, and, and who am I, we've talked about this before. Who am I cheating? Am I cheating uh, the Lord's work in me in the life of the church? Am I cheating my family? Am I cheating myself? Like if I don't, I can't compromise time when I said, you know what, this is the time I'm going to go exercise 
or I'm going, this is the time where I need to just go for a walk at the park. And if I start cutting those things out to accommodate more meetings and more people, in the end, I'm going to be worse for everyone. That's right. Yeah. So it really is kind of in, in a lot of ways, it, it is a stewardship issue of you it as is. a resource for the organization and, and uh, your effectiveness as a leader in those things. And, you know, the, the phrase out there, I think, is something about, you know, being careful not to let the urgent tasks drive out the most important things. And yeah. there's something about the urgent, the phone call, the email, the meeting, the the to-do list that has a way of pushing itself to the front and pushing out that that margin, that time where we can really be thoughtful and reflective and creative and think vision strategy, big picture stuff. Because that's the stuff that if it doesn't get done, you won't notice today that it made an impact. But if right. the urgent thing doesn't get done, you don't return the phone call, somebody's going to be mad at you. If you don't email within you know eight hours or 24 hours or whatever, somebody's going to be whatever. Um, but that that bigger picture important stuff, that's the thing that's going to lead to health long-term. You don't always see the immediate payback for that time spent. So sometimes that's, for me at least, that's how the urgent can hijack the important because the important stuff is not an, it doesn't have an immediate return always. And so we got to know it that when we take the time to think strategically or be creative or say no to a meeting and just go sit in a, in a coffee shop with a yellow notepad and jot down our, our thoughts and dreams for the organization or churches, that that is not only, there's not, not anything wrong with that, but that is maybe the very best thing we could be doing. Right. Uh, even if somebody would walk in and go, so you're just sitting here with a coffee and a yellow notepad? <laughs> and you that, like, what is happening right now? So, yeah. And that, and oddly enough, that's some of the most productive, non-productive time. You, can, you know what I mean? Absolutely, man. That's where the best ideas come from. That's where the, 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 the concepts that we end up getting fired up and excited about come from. But it's the thing that gets pushed off to the side uh, the quickest, or it can if we're not really intentional about it. Yeah. So when I, how do you do this? When I respond to people and kind of try to redirect them, um, and there's a lot of great resources out there from a lot of leaders who, who talk about this, but one thing I always try to do is just affirm the people like, Hey, I pastor, I need to meet, you know, and usually they're pretty aggressive. It's like, do you have any time tomorrow? Or, you know, like right away to, to meet. And I, and first of all, I try to determine, you know, is this somebody who, you know, they're, they're in crisis or it's a, it's a key volunteer that, that really should get my time. Um, but I, I rarely now I rarely respond with the timetable that they want because usually I, I want to make sure that uh, I'm not sacrificing something else. So I'll be like, I have these time slots in my week, and if they're full, they're full. We move on to the next week. And usually, you know, if it's like if it's not an emergency, you say, okay, I'll be able to meet you know two weeks Thursday, whatever they'll find they'll go somewhere else to find their answer because they don't need to find it for me and then it's sort of they don't need to meet with me the other thing that happens um is i just always try to affirm them like hey you know uh yeah i'd love to meet with you i'd love to meet with you but you know my schedule's really full uh in the meantime is there something that i could connect someone i can connect you with um so that you don't have to wait too long yeah. And usually it's like, oh yeah, this is a question for the kids ministry. Okay, you know, well, I'll send you to Lindsay, our kids director. And nice. Um, yeah. so, so there are ways of doing that that are not mean. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I think having um, some folks 
uh, on your team that help triage some of that and kind of sort through and uh, share that value uh, of your time management so that they can go, you know what? Hey, let me, let me try to answer that for you. Um, Jesse's busy right now or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Those are tricky to navigate though, because people want your time and attention. Right. But the common denominator is margin, right? So if you have margin in your life, you could say yes to some spontaneous things. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think it's Craig Groeschel from Life Church who says that uh, he's, he created, he creates margin in his week for room for God to tell him to do something. And, and, and I think I'm pretty sure I heard the story. um, Maybe I heard another podcast, but it was that, that's how the life or, or the U version app came about was yeah. the fact that, the he, that he had this margin yeah, I love it. and was able to do that because, because that's so important. And that's the thing that at least I don't consciously think about enough is am I creating time where I have room to, to move where not every minute of my life is scheduled so that I could respond in real time to the moving of the Holy spirit, that the Holy spirit absolutely moves in a schedule, but, but, uh, most likely will move, uh, however he wants. That's right. I love that. And I think there's, it kind of takes the pressure off a little bit of, of our thinking uh, of how we think about time management. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was reading something, I think it was from Carrie Newhoff talking about efficiency versus effectiveness and how for a while there, he was trying to take hour long tasks and make them into half an hour tasks so that he could do twice as much in his day. But, and, and there's something good about that. We should be efficient. But what he realized, he looked up and he said, I realized that the limit was still double what I was doing. It was never going to be limitless. Yeah. And that rethinking uh, the way we manage our time, thinking of it in blocks, thinking of it as creating margin for the things that matter most, that somehow that's a more effective and, and really a limitless way of, uh, a limitless way of, of, uh, entering into leadership. So uh, I think, you know, that's really crucial stuff. So as we go into this year, you know, how, how do you attack goal setting, create, because all of it's planning, right? I mean, creating margin in your life is about planning. You're deciding ahead of time that I'm going to have margin on X day and X day, right? I mean, it, margin rarely happens just spontaneously. That's right. Yeah, because because so like you said, everything's urgent and immediate unless you decide ahead of time that it's not. That's right. The tyranny of the urgent will always rear its head, even if you're really well planned. And so you got to fight for that margin. But I do think planning and thinking ahead uh, really does facilitate margin, and and it's crucial. It's a discipline we have to have. And so uh, part of that is kind of um, yeah, thinking thinking about what needs to get done and sort of what are we trying to accomplish? And then creating sort of an opportunity to look at that uh, in some way every day, have a touch point with it. So you kind of keep moving the ball along. Uh, And I have, I have some goals written on my whiteboard that I see every time they're big picture things that everybody else walks in and goes, I don't even know what that means. Uh, But you know um, I had one this last year called launch team meeting night. And what I wanted to do, I I said just one time this whole year, last year, I want to have all of our ministry teams, come to a meeting on the same night, we'll pray and worship together, and then we'll break up into our team meetings and any teams that want to talk to each other can. So that was my, and so uh, that was one of the things, but it's, it's on my whiteboard. I see it every single day. 
And I, and then throughout the day, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do to move toward that one? And then, um, my, uh, my youth staff wrote on the bottom, uh, a launch rocket to the moon, which is not quite as practical. So anyway. <laughs> but, I think oh, those crazy youth staff. Yeah, I know, but to have those goals in front of you consistently, uh, so that you can use the margin to move toward them is important. Um, but when it comes to the establishment of setting, setting those goals out, how do you do it? How do you make a goal, Jason? Like what's your process to get to that goal that ends up on the whiteboard that you look at and use some of the margin to move toward? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think first of all, um, the goal has to stir me, right? So um, it has to be something that I, I get excited about, passionate about, which usually means I need to think bigger than I normally might think. So, you know, it's not just, hey, I want to um, talk to other pastors about uh, church change. No, I, I want to start a podcast and invite guests to come and to talk. And I want to create this whole new thing. You know, that's more exciting than, oh, hey, I just want to find some pastors to, to talk to. Sure. Um, it, it doesn't stir me in the way that I'm just going to get after it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so for me, goals have to be something that, that I'm passionate about, that when I think about it, I, I start getting excited. You know, when you think a dream of something and just the thought of that dream just uh, stirs you up, I mean, you're just charged up. Because what I found, if, if my goals aren't like that, then, um, then I'm never going to chase them. I'm never going to chase them over the long term. And I think too, that they're always just a little bit out of reach. So I, so I feel like it's going to require faith for me to get from point A to point B. It's not just something that I think is an easy win. Yeah. So tell, tell, talk about that, the podcast in particular. This was an idea you, you've been kind of rolling around in your head and heart for a, a while. Where did it come from? When did you come up with the goal? Um, did you sit down like and do a 24-hour silent retreat off in the woods somewhere by yourself? What's your process for just even arriving at a goal like that? Yeah, so it was actually um, really when I thought about wanting to do a podcast, it was about a year in the making. So I would say uh, fall of 2016, I was thinking I would really love to to host a podcast to talk about church leadership, church issues. And this was right in the middle of, I was finishing up my coursework uh, for my doctor of ministry that was all about church revitalization. So I was, uh, you know, living and breathing it and thinking, I don't just want this to end in a paper <laughs> and and it just dies there. And, uh, and I close the book, I pass the class, I get my diploma and, and that's it. I really want to talk about it and keep it relevant and contribute to the conversation. But I didn't know, I didn't know how I, or, or in what way that would happen. And as the year went on, I felt like the idea became clearer and clearer. I think you and I started talking more and we started talking more often intentionally. And we just naturally started talking about all this stuff that, that I wanted to talk about, that things that I was seeing in ministry, things that I was going through. And then uh, in the summer, when we go on vacation, we go over here to Vermont, I actually get some time to really think and process in a way that's totally unplugged. And I was out by the causeway of this lake, that we go Lake Champlain every year. And I'm just thinking through, I have a little journal with me and, and I'm just thinking through 
um, the fall. And I'm like, you know, it really seems like this keeps coming up for me. Uh, Of all the goals and dreams that I have, this is one that seems to keep rising to the surface. So I should probably pay attention to that. And as I was praying through it, I really felt God moving just to say, get over whatever, whatever nerves you have about this. It's not going to be perfect. Just launch, just do it. Just go for it. And, and that was it. And so it was a combination that, you know, there wasn't a secret formula. It was just a, it was a persistent listening and trying to follow and the image got clearer and clearer. Yeah. I love it. I I think I I hear a couple of things in there too, because one, you're taking intentional time to really let your heart and mind kind of wander and, and begin to maybe distill some of the thoughts that you've had over time to into a concrete goal. But also that you, you know, you and I in our conversations that that sort of dream sort of evolves. And, and as people, if you have people in your life that can listen to your heart and kind of draw those things out of you and explore that thought with you, because for me, it's not very often that I have a really fully formed goal concept, something in my mind. I'm like, I want to achieve that, or I want to do that. It, it, it is a sort of slowly develops and th- there's ideas associated with it and thoughts and, uh, conversations help shape it. And then all of a sudden there'll be that moment. Maybe it's a quiet moment or maybe it's standing in the shower <laughs> or whatever, where it kind of all, uh, comes together into something a little bit more concrete that then you can say, okay, that's, that's actionable. I can take steps toward that thing. And so, yeah, creating, creating that margin in the, you know, in the conversations you have throughout the, I don't know, the day of the routine of your life. And then finding those moments like, you know, sitting by the side of the lake or whatever. It sounds pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, but where you can, yeah, open up that journal and, and maybe get a little more concrete or kind of let those thoughts come together. So. Because uh, really goal setting is, is taking that prompting of the Holy Spirit and putting legs to it, putting action items to it. Um, how do you start going toward where God's leading you? And that applies to everybody, not just leaders, not just people setting goals. Isn't that such a better way of thinking than going, our our goal should be to get, you know, 200 people to come to the whatever event. Like, that's not a goal. That's like a target. I I don't even know what that is. A a goal is something bigger. It's a dream. It's, it's something that, you you know, gets you out of bed and makes going to, to work worthwhile. And, that's, that's, I think what you're getting at is you got to have a dream of the plan. Yeah. Dream with a plan to something you can move toward something that makes saying no, uh, valuable when you have to say no to other things. And if you're just saying no for, you know, just because you'd like to have more time that, you know, to sit around or whatever, like that's not (laughs) a good reason. But if it's so that you can move towards goals and dreams that are worth pursuing that God has given you and the Holy Spirit is sort of help bring together in a more concrete way that that is worth saying no that is worth creating margin for so I love it I um I'm sure other people have you know there might be some folks out there that they sit down and turn out some goals and think a little more systematically about it but I think what I hear us saying is it's something that sort of stirs in your gut over a while and then slowly takes shape uh to something that you can move toward but Really good yeah, stuff. it's like God places something on your heart and then he puts an opportunity in front of you where you can put that into action. So, so it's not always clear how your goal is going to work out, but that's right. Yeah. But I do think that that's God given desire. I mean, this is the Christian life, right? The Christian life is, um, 
you don't know the destination of your life. You know what's going to happen, hopefully, when you die. But the destination of your life are the many destinations of your life, your, your career, your family, your faith, your friends, all that stuff. You have no idea what that is. You can't set a goal saying, I mean, I guess you can, but I don't, this is not the Christian life that I've experienced is like, well, I want to be, I have these goals in these areas of my life and, um, and I see that clearly and that's what I'm working for. To me, the journey of faith has always been, uh, the journey, the journey comes first. The journey comes before the destination. You start journeying with Christ and then the destination becomes more and more clear. Yeah. And I think if we're, if we don't have that mentality, then our best laid plans are going to be frustrated at every turn, right? Yeah. <laughs> because we're going to yeah. say, how come I can't, and I want to accomplish this and do this and this. So to have things that you move toward rather than, um, things that are like, you know, this is the end result and I'm not open to any change around that or something. Um, it's really crucial, you know, thinking about what you, one of the concepts you're, you're kind of hinting at there is, this idea that in some ways we're just kind of feeling our way through the dark as we move forward. Right. Um, you know, is it Psalm 119, you know, thy, your word is a lamp to my feet. You know, I'm like, it's actually a pretty apt image, right? You only get like three feet in front of you. That's, yeah, that's exactly. The rest is kind of uncertain, but you know, we, I think this is why it's important sometimes to stop and look backward too, right. To go, okay, God, um, I can't see very far ahead, but I can look back and see your faithfulness and, you know, uh, the, you know, in the Old Testament, they're constantly doing that. You know, uh, God, you know, you delivered us from the hand of the Egyptians. And now, you know, this next task we can, we can do. I, I will we'll bring this in. Um, uh, I just watched uh, Jobs the other day for the first time with Ashton Kutcher. And I said, I didn't actually learn anything about Steve Jobs from that movie. But I did, it did remind me of this <laughs> quote from him. It was weird. It, I don't know if you've seen it. It was. I haven't seen it yet. I no. wanted it. I was like, I want a little more documentary about his life. It was more of a here's a sense of his life kind of, I don't know. But one thing he said, uh, he said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. I thought that was good. You know, you're kind of how, you know, you, you can't be where you haven't been. And he said, so you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. <laughs> you, know, like, I think, you know, I go, okay. So as theologians, as Christians, we would phrase it differently. We say, you know, I heard one pastor used to say, um, when I look back, I, you know, I see God's hand all over my life, or I see God's fingerprints. When I look, look in the rear view mirror, I didn't know it at the time, but God was with me or, you know, different phrases that we would use around that, but that looking back and going, okay, God, that's how you moved and worked and brought me to where I am now. And isn't it amazing how far we've come together and the things you've done. And because of who you are, God, I can trust that that if I step out in faith and risk and continue to push that those same sorts of stories and experiences will result in the future. They will come even if I don't know exactly the details of what they're going to be. Um, so the short version, sometimes looking back gives us the confidence to move forward to that big goal that seems a little bit out there or uh, pushes us or whatever. Absolutely. I think that's really well said. So, um, so creating margin, goal setting, do you have, what do you do for goal setting? Do you, do you have a process that you go through? Um, how many goals do you usually try to say like for a season? I don't know if you do a year, if you do like six months or, or quarterly or however you do it, but what are some things that you do? Yeah, that's a good question. I really, um, I try to think of, uh, they're sort of like life mission goal stuff. Like I want to accomplish this or do this or, 
whatever in my sort of uh, life outside of the church. But in the ministry world, um, I try to think of uh, sort of big picture objectives or goals. And I try not to have three, more than three of those on my radar at a time. I just, I, I'm sure some people can handle more. I can't. Um, so three big ideas that, I, that we're moving toward or that are out there on the horizon that I, I hope we can uh, move toward. And so um, some of that happens right around this time of year uh, while we're, I'm kind of in that, I don't know, that, that totally fake season where we're turning over the calendar, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know. It just, <laughs> it's, but it's a good excuse to start over or to start fresh or to, sure. to, to rewrite something. So uh, there's a season that, you know, kind of do that this time of year and put a couple things out there. One thing, and this is the dorky part of me, um, if I have it here somewhere, I do every year, I do um, a uh, Marine V Presbyterian Church vision and strategy description and organizational guide. Okay. So that's kind of hey. like our our vision paper for the year. Okay. So this is way, this is dorky. Okay. So just bear with me, but it's there to reinforce the, our values and our direction and our mission. And then to kind of tie some, some thoughts to where I think we're going, where God's leading us this year. Nice. Um, yeah. So Look at you, I know, isn't that amazing? Uh, it's uh, a little bit absurd, but what it does, and it's really basic. So, um, I go through and I reiterate with people how we make decisions as a church, what the role of session is, um, what the role of staff is. And then we look at what are the key dates and tasks associated with all of our leadership meetings and things like that so that we're not forgetting some of the administrative stuff that has to get done and those kinds of things. But what, what then it allows me to build in there. And, and at this point, we're going to stop and think strategy. We're going to have a session retreat, staff in session. We're going to get away and we're going to, think about what God is doing. Um, and then um, sometimes if it's developed enough, I'll actually say, here's kind of my sense of our conversations over the last couple of months. What I've heard us saying is we need to get better at, or we think the next step is, and kind of fill in the blank as sort of a, uh, a thought process for our leadership team to, to go through as we get ready to go on a retreat. Um, I think collaborative goal-making objective setting is really important and uh it, but it's hard so you, you know you got to get away and do your SWOT analysis stuff and you got to yeah do your brainstorming and and coalesce it into ideas and all that stuff so um organizationally we we build it into the rhythm of our year to set goals and objectives and sometimes those are really big ones and other times they're they're smaller or less dramatic but it's something that doesn't happen on accident. So that's a little bit of my process. Um, this time of year is where I'll start to think, okay, what needs to be in that, that vision document for this coming year? This is not like, you know, something we have to stick to 100%, but it gives us a, a launching point into, into this next year. That's great. I, is that something, Jesse, um, that you could, I mean, do you have like, can make like a PDF like template sure. or yeah, something like absolutely. that? Yeah. And I'm asking selfishly because I yeah, just don't totally want to have to invent it. Uh, I, I think just everybody will be really disappointed, <laughs> but you're certainly welcome to have it. Uh, and I do think um, it's just helpful to have something to hand to your leadership team too and say, I think vision matters. I think strategy matters. I value yeah. your voice in that. Here's where I think we're, where we are and maybe where God's taken us and can't wait, you know, kind of thing. So um, yeah, I'll, I can share that with you and, and for whatever it's worth. Um, he can take it or not, but yeah. 
Hey, no, that's great. That's great. So let's let's dive, you know, just kind of like a, like a good sermon, Jesse, or as our uh, sermon professor used to say, Mr. Skiffington. Our, uh, that was such a great class. I wish our <laughs> listeners could have been in there to, to hear Cleo LaRue uh, yeah. calling us out very yeah. awkwardly to answer questions. He called me a West Coast evangelical. Well, times. you know, sometimes the shoe fits, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, what, you know, just like a, just like a sermon, you know, what let's, let's land it into For some sure. practical tools. What are some tools that, that we use, um, as we do goal setting and productivity. The funniest part about this is that before we hit record, both <laughs> of us at the same time. So we record this podcast uh, via video uh, so that we could see each other. And we both held up Michael Hyatt's full focus planner to the, to the screen. Not funny. And uh, I, here's what I love about that planner. And for the record, I am not an affiliate, although man, we should be, we should be getting paid for promoting it. Anyway, no kidding, yeah. we're not. And, uh, but what I love about it is, is uh, he designs a planner so that you have you think through your goals for the year, and then he has you tackle a few goals a quarter, and uh, and not only do you flesh all that out, but then in the daily pages he's got a he's got your weekly big three. What are the big three things uh, that you need to take care of? How does that move you towards your goals? Um, I'm an analog guy when it comes to my my task you know, the tasks that I have, my to-do list, all that stuff is analog. I like physically having it in front of me and physically crossing it out. I'm a little bit neurotic about my to-do list. I will, yeah. I've been known to write things down. I've already done just so I can cross them off. That's right. I, I'll be you taking injections for that. Right I, I love it. <laughs> you got to give yourself some wins early that's on, right. you know? That's right. That's right. So, um, so the full focus planner, I think uh, you just started using it. I've been using it for a couple of months. Um, I find it really helpful in thinking about that. Yeah. Um, I, I want to share another tool that I have, Kerry Newhoff's High Impact Leader course, where he talks about going to a fixed calendar where you block out your time ahead of time has been a huge change for me personally and a big win as far as being intentional about creating margin yeah. is that I know each day of the week, basically what my day is going to look like before I get there. Yeah. And um that that was a big just shift for me. I, I hadn't thought about my schedule in that way before. Uh, this is probably old news to a lot of leaders out there, but for me, it was really game changing. And I've been uh, planning this way for the last half a year or so, and it's really made a big difference. Yeah. How about you? It. Well, I, I, in a similar vein, you know, that full focus planner, it's pretty funny that. That <laughs> is funny. Both. I didn't know you were using that, and I <laughs> went ahead and got one. And I just, I love uh, people that are out there trying to help us think about how to use our time and how to move toward the goals and things that will really be most helpful for our organizations. And just to, kind of a side note, you know, we write these goals and you're not going to accomplish every single goal every time. But right. if those goals or objectives are closely tied to your mission, even if you make progress toward it and never get all the way there, you're going to be making progress towards your mission, right? And so I think it's just good stuff. And, and I, I can't wait to kind of dive in and, and really use that because I'm with you. I'm analog too. I, um, you know, I manage my calendar and stuff online, but my tasks, my, my day-to-day stuff is I, I like to handwrite it and it helps me stay connected to it for some reason. Um, we are going to uh, do the breaking 200 study. I'm just curious to see. I think there's some really cool thoughts in there from Kerry Newhoff and, and his, his team um, that can help us think 
organizationally in the right ways. And so um, I'm looking forward to that. um, We haven't started that yet. We'll do that in the new year, but that might be a tool that can bring the team together around some of that thinking about how are we planning? How are we using our time effectively? How are we using each resource of the church effectively? Um, In in an established church context, there's still a lot of carryover of the pastor does all the care yeah. Uh, that the pastor does, you know, he's on all the teams or, you know, whatever, those kinds of things. And so I think having outside voices to redirect some of your well-intentioned people that just have a set of expectations about the church that maybe are no longer effective or the way that is we're going to do things. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I hope that um, will be useful for us. You know, I, and I, we just had a, uh, our men's group that meets, um, on Wednesday nights, we had our last one for this, this calendar year last week. And the topic was, um, was basically this creating margin for God in your life. And I'm sitting in a room full of New York city, uh, you know, career guys who they work a ton of hours and everything. And when I started talking about like, you know, scheduling margin into your life for God, they basically all agreed like, no, we, we don't have time to do that. We we don't have time to do that. And, and I was so, I was so just upset about it. And I actually pushed back. I'm like, no, wait a minute. So you're telling me that as far as your Christian life goes, as long as you're working in the city, you're just going to say, well, oh, oh, well, oh, well, I can't, really connect with God. And what is that doing to your life? I feel like as leaders, we have to model what that looks like. And I always come back to, and I actually told this to them. I said it in a nice way, but, but um, you know, it's Jesus was, I don't know, pretty busy, it seemed. And he made it a regular practice to take time away and to get some margin to be with God. And I don't know. I don't know if I, if anybody would be willing to say they're busier than Jesus, but you know, he could have been as busy as, as he wanted. There were, there were endless opportunities for him to meet with people and to, and to be engaged in that way. But he chose to disengage so that he can engage with his heavenly father. And um, I think we have to model that. We have to model that as leaders if we're just workaholics and we're not taking the time that we need to with God or for ourselves or for our family and, and we're preaching about it and telling everybody else to, I mean, that's just a disaster. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think you're right on to something. One, you know, that the, our values show up in our behaviors in the way we actually spend our time and our resources. And so what does that say about what really matters most to us? If, if our values are, what matters most and we're spending most of our time and energy and focus at work or whatever. And, and, and there's not margin in our lives for, for our relationship with God, with our family, um, just enjoy the experience of life. Even what does it say about our, our, you know, kind of the core of what matters most to us. And that, that's a hard, that's a challenging thought for, for folks, I think. And I think we have to, yes, you need to create margin. And I, I, I get it. Our world pulls us away from margin. It tells us margin is not something that you should value because, you know, you should give every second of your day to whatever. Uh, 
Yeah. And so it's a new way of thinking. And it is a, a bit of a shift for a lot of people. I think that it is difficult. But man, it's the experience of life and faith and relationships. It's all going to be so much better if we can find a way to do it. So uh, good good for you having that conversation with those guys. Um, somebody's got to stand up to Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, the, the, these are great guys. It's just, it made me sad to hear them all just, sure. kind of, just, like, just look around and just like, you know, we'd love to be, you know, they didn't, they didn't verbalize this, but what I was hearing from them was we'd love to be a little more spiritually, emotionally healthy, yeah. but we don't have time for that. We, we yeah. got to get after it because we're taking care of our family and, and there's no room for yeah. this. Other I stuff. think this is where, how do we as church leaders get creative about the resources we put in people's hands? You know, I, yeah. I, a lot of our folks listen to a podcast or something on a commute. How do we direct them to great pastors, churches, uh, content that we trust and, and think would be good for them and say, Hey, you know why you're on the train, why you're driving into work, listen to this, um, to find time. You know, one of the things I think came out of like orange parenting or somewhere along there was about using drive time with your kids to have the conversations that matter most. And you're already driving together. You're already in the car together, sort of letting them put their headphones in and you crank up the radio on your side, use that time that you're together on your way to and from practices to have some conversations about things that matter and may not always go well. Kids are notorious for not wanting those kind of conversations, <laughs> but leveraging the time that you do have for a purpose and not just letting it pass by. But these, these are hard things for people to implement, I think, um, but yeah. could be game changers. So where do we go from here? Um, we were talking beforehand, you know, we just talked about creating margin and space and all those things. And one way that we are going to do that this year is uh, Jason and I are heading to Atlanta uh, to go to the Rethink Leadership um, Conference down there and just kind of rub shoulders with people that are having these kinds of conversations in in the church and in in business and other places. And so um, that's coming up. Dates are April 25th or 27th. Is that right? Yep. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to, if anybody of you are going down there, we'd love to connect with you. We were trying to think about if there were enough folks who who listen to the podcast get together maybe we all could hang out at at lunch or or sit at the same table or do something just to connect and to talk uh about about life and leadership and uh just to meet we would love that so um i think it's gonna be really fun we're looking forward to that want to give you a lot of heads up that we're going to be down there yeah that's good it could be a good time and anytime that you and i have gone away to that kind of thing uh, my st- the staff back here is always like, oh, great. <laughs> it's basically, that's the summation of their opinion about that. Uh, because that is the kind of the breeding ground for big ideas. And I would, I, you know, I had written down a note here. We were talking about, um, uh, you know, as we're thinking, calendaring, planning, setting goals and objectives, that one thing you can do is rub shoulders with really great thinkers or other people that are in the trenches just like you and some of the best ideas that that I've ever had or that have come to you know our team are because we went and sat and listened and it it sort of piqued our interest or you know a thought sort of that we ran with and took it in a new direction or whatever and you you and I talk all the time Jason about this when we hear somebody else preach then we don't end up listening to the whole sermon because all of a sudden it sparks an idea and we end up writing another sermon that we're going to preach later. Yep. <laughs> it's so important to, to be around other people, even if you're just listening to a podcast or going to a conference or something where you can be energized around really good ideas. So um, yeah, that's coming up uh, a little later in 2018, um, but we'd love to have you. It'd be fun. It'd be fun yeah. to hang out together. 
And listen, everyone, just some encouragement. When you get stuck in the, in the weeds, you know, when we get into 2018 or, or you get stuck, you feel like you're derailed, just remember Jethro's Guide to Successful Calendaring, right? Uh, what you're doing is not good. <laughs> you, can't, is not good. you can't from morning till night just, just take every request because you're cheating uh, the time that God wants to have for you uh, for transformation for inspiration, for direction, for passion, for all the things that really matter for us as leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has been good. I, I pray that everybody has a great start to their year. Uh, I know I'm excited about what's coming up this year, you know, both personally and professionally and um, looking forward to it. I, again, looking forward to our next podcast episode. We're going to be talking with Tom and Joni Schultz. Uh, they uh, are the uh, CEO and uh, CCO of Group Publishing, who for many years uh, ran the print magazine, Group Magazine, for youth ministry. Uh, they've been friends of mine for a long time as I've been working with Group in my youth ministry days. And they, they have some interesting ministry things that they're doing right now. One in particular that we're going to be talking about is Life Tree Cafe. And a lot of this came through um, a documentary they made called When God Left the Building. And uh, this was big a couple of years ago. They went out, they, they made this film about, it's all about what we've been talking about, church decline, church change. How do you work on it? And Life Tree Cafe is, I think, one of their answers to, you know, how do we help uh, reframe or reimagine what ministry can look like and this is specifically adult ministry. So uh, we're going to be talking to them about that. So I'm excited for that. They, yeah, they, whenever you talk with folks in parachurch world, they have a nice perspective that, that we just don't get in the local church. That's right. They get to see more globally what's going on. They get to hear from lots of churches and pastors and leaders. So uh, it's always encouraging to hear that we're not alone, right? Yeah, that we're not exactly. the only ones facing this challenge or problem or dilemma or that we're a lot of us are asking the same kinds of questions and I love it in the church. This should never come as a shock, right? I think it was uh, maybe a, one of our seminary professors, Daryl Guter, who said um, that one of the privileges of his work was getting to meet church leaders from all over the world and hearing how the Holy Spirit is moving in similar ways in different contexts that we will never hear about. So yeah. as, as, as church leaders in the, in the local uh, church, and he gets to see how God is at work uh, in a bigger way. So it is fun to connect with folks um, that get to see that and share that with us. So looking forward to that conversation for sure. Well, happy new year, everyone. And we hope that this podcast reclaim leader has helped you lead change without losing your roots. And once again, I'm Jason Tucker here with Jesse Skiffington, and we are signing off and signing on for this new year of ministry and life in the podcast. And if you guys get a chance, we'd love for you to visit us on reclaimleader.com. Uh, we have a new site now that uh, is just operational, so hopefully it's still working by the time this launches, uh, but it's a little more interactive, so you'll find more ways to connect with us and to uh, connect with some content, so reclaimleader.com, and I still think uh, you'll have a little pop-up subscription form that'll come up and offer you a free PDF on starting a man cave men's group ministry uh, for signing up and subscribing, so uh we also encourage you listening to the podcast, like us on iTunes, leave us a review if you can. It helps other people to find the podcast. And with that, again, happy new year, and we will see you next time. 
Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey. 